Good morning, and welcome to episode 296 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I am Ben Lindbergh, joined by Sam Miller. Hello, Sam. So you already live in a world where elementary is airing again. Like, it has already aired in your world. Has it? Yeah, 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock? That's late. Season premiere. Season premiere. You're, you're so excited. You're so lukewarm on shows that I consider better than that show. <laughs> yeah, you, no, it's you true. Really, you're quite fond of that show. I am quite fond of it. I like to have I, I like to have one show that does not require me to uh, you know to be cool. You know, I mean, like so much of what I watch is sort of subconsciously filtered through the you know like the importance mm-hmm. uh, lens. You know, like oh, this is it's important that I yeah. watch this show, or it's uh, it's significant that I can talk about this book, or yeah. like I'm you know, and so it's always nice to have just just one show <laughs> where I just. Uh, like, I don't talk about it with anybody. I just sort of gleefully uh, enjoy it. Well, I watch Longmire, so you don't have to explain this concept to me. Uh-huh. That's my elementary. Worst. That's <laughs> just the worst show. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's not a great show. <laughs> it's not a great show. Um, okay. Uh, just a quick follow-up to my topic from yesterday about the September starter usage. Andrew Koo, who is one of our stat guys at PP, uh, just did some subsequent research into that today to break down uh, to break down the month of, of September by week to see if there's any trend towards playoff teams using their starters for shorter outings as as they get closer to the playoffs. Uh, and there is um, the last couple weeks, it goes down to like. 88 and then 86 or so pitches per start so once it's really officially sewn up at that that last couple weeks of the season uh teams either do take their guys out to rest them more or they take them out so they can put bullpen guys in and actually win the game so that does happen when you when you dig a little deeper into the numbers the thing is, there's no actual merit to the BBC Sherlock Holmes show either. I mean, it is equally vapid and sugary and, and pointless. Why does but, it have such a, a great reputation compared well, to... Well, that's that's the thing. That's why Elementary is so enjoyable, because uh, it feels forced to like the the, uh, the BBC show. What is it called? Sherlock? Yeah. It, it, it feels like you're watching it because everybody else is, you know, is telling you how good it is. And uh, and yet it's it's no better. That's the thing. It's like that feels like an empty experience. Like I, there's nothing that but that frustrates me more than when I invest a significant portion of my life consuming some entertainment because like it just feels like everybody is, and I want to be able to talk about it, or I don't want to miss it, or whatever. And mm-hmm. then at the end, I, I realize like four seasons have passed, and I haven't enjoyed it at all. Mm-hmm. I've watched all of Sherlock just because it's like three yeah, episodes so per per season and i like cumberpatch yeah. but it's not it's not significantly better i don't think um no. okay uh <laughs> so have you people are people that are coming to us now with their strange baseball occurrences that they want to happen it's like we talked about the hidden ball trick and that happened and we talked about uh, a home run hitter getting ejected or someone getting ejected mid-play or 
and mm-hmm. these things keep happening after we talk about them and now people are are sending us their strange things that they want to see happen as if we're like someone with healing powers who you would bring a, a sick child to people are bringing. I didn't yeah I, I didn't read the email that I, I, I saw one email what what yeah. was the request uh, this person wants to see uh, it's from from Corrine she has a humble request of our magical powers and her request is uh, she wants to see a team score in all nine offensive half innings of a complete game. Mm-hmm. I Seems have doable. to that it does seem doable. We it's do gotten it. well, it's gotten close. I, I would not use if, if I could if I could cause an event to happen though. Uh, I would rather see a team score eighty. Like as long as we're picking like tremendous offensive achievements that have never happened. I would just once, just once, I want to see a team score 80. Mm. Like, I'm sick of these 22 to, to, to 3 games where, like, you know, they, someone, some team scores 12 in the first, and, and then it sort of tapers off. I, I want to see 80. I just want to see one time a team score 80, just to see what that would look like. <laughs> not even 50? 50 would be not enough for you? Nah. I mean, because... <laughs> 80 would be, I mean, 80 would really be something. Yes. Right? Sure. 80 would be something. You you have to admit that 80 would be something. It would. So let's do that. Right, well. <laughs> I did, you know, I one time bet somebody a Coke that a team would score 30 uh, in like a five-year period, and three years passed, and no team scored more than like 23, and I realized I just had absolutely no shot. I had made a horrible <laughs> miscalculation. And then uh, one day I'm watching the Rangers play the Orioles, and they they it takes a I, I mean it, they scored 30 against the Orioles, and it took quite a series a sequence of events to get them there, mm-hmm. um, and it was like I mean it was the best Coke I ever drank. I <laughs> it was it was an incredible game to watch. I mean that's a I it made me understand why people bet on baseball because for 50 cents I was completely all in mm-hmm. on on this like game that had been completely decided. Mm-hmm. Uh but 30 was fun. 80 though. <laughs> 80 is yeah. Like that's something. It's a lot more than 30. All right. Uh All right. I'm kind of sad again. About kind of sad about Rivera tonight. <laughs> Are we? We're not doing a show tonight. Is <laughs> we're, that it? we're just just bantering, I guess. But yeah, kind of sad. Kind of yeah. sad on multiple levels, I guess. Uh-huh. Uh, sad to see someone unique go out of the game because there aren't really that many players who are interesting in the way that Mariano Rivera was was interesting is interesting. Um, who have that kind of unique talent or unique approach to the game. Uh, and he was just sort of a, a freak in many ways. And I like having freakish players around. So mm-hmm. baseball will be more boring without him. Well, and the thing about him is that he got freakier every day. He was yeah. he was a freak for, for many years, but it really, I would say it really just started getting fun like four years ago, mm-hmm. uh, like a, a whole new level of fun. Mm-hmm. And I mean, what is he, 43 right now? Mm-hmm. And I mean, once you get to this point, even if he wasn't Mariano Rivera, even if even if even if this was just like, you know, any player, any typical like if Darren Oliver started p- pitching as well as Rivera does, mm-hmm. uh, that would be amazing fun. 
you know, but when Rivera then brings all this backstory with him, it, it makes it even more incredible. I mean, we talked about how we're happy to let guys walk away, you know, when, when they, when they want to, it's a really, it's a, it's an amazing thing to be able to, to retire on your own terms, you know, in any field and, uh, bless his heart. I'm happy for him, but I would feel so much better if he had a 3.70 RA this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just, it really feels like a missed opportunity. And, uh, you know, I mean, if, if I, if I had the, the power, I, it might be the one case where I would insist I might force him. I might <laughs> do horrible things to his family to, to, to make him mm-hmm. keep pitching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't. I don't know if I'm. Sad. That's not the same as you, though. You're sad. Mm-hmm. I'm disappointed because I lose a, a like a sort of a fun fact. Yeah, maker. Well, it's kind of a different thing. I also. It's, Im- yeah. it's amazing that I mean, very few players can play for 20 years at that level without uh, becoming hated. Mm-hmm. Um, especially and, for the Yankees. Yeah, especially for the for the Yankees. I mean, everybody's. Even even guys who seem well liked, uh, there are corners of the world where they're they're hated. But you know, nobody. I don't. I don't really feel like anybody hates Rivera. The closest thing you get are these kind of half-hearted arguments that you know, oh, he's just a closer, he's just a reliever, mm-hmm. he's overrated. Um, that's about as close as you get. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, nobody personally wishes him ill, and no. I, I feel like. Almost everybody, he and Tommy are probably the only two guys who I can think of who who made it, you know? Tommy should have gotten a, a farewell tour. Yeah. He never he really should've. officially announced that was happening, so didn't uh-huh. get any gifts. But yeah, I uh-huh. kind of feel like my childhood died a little bit, too. Uh-huh, with Rivera? Yeah. Because uh-huh. I'm not, I don't consider myself a fan of any team anymore, I Grew up rooting for the Yankees, but it doesn't bother me in the slightest that they are not going to make the playoffs, that they didn't make the playoffs. I feel feel nothing about that. Um, but, you know, seeing those three guys who were people that I rooted for when I was a fan and and watched for most of the time I was growing up, kind of sad. Okay, let me ask you a question. Um, okay. Let's let's fast forward uh, 14 months and uh, so it's uh, September, October. No, it's late November of, of 2014. We've we've lived through a year without Mariano Rivera, mm. uh, and you know we're moving on with our lives. And Rivera announces he's coming back. <laughs> he's been he's been throwing again. He's got the fire again. He liked to pitch. Uh, the Yankees uh, sign him for you know five million bucks, mm-hmm. um, and everything is in line for him to pitch in 2015 uh what's your happiness rating or what's your happiness level with that and or or i guess what's your unhappiness level if if that's better uh i don't think i'd be happy about that i'd be happy if he suddenly changed his mind and came back next year which would Uh kind of be hilarious after after this whole farewell tour and and all the all the celebrations and everything I'd be happy about that. If he took a year off and he came back at 45, then I'd be worried uh, about seeing him not be perfect anymore. Uh-huh. So probably wouldn't be in favor of that. This is about, uh, about as well as he could have gone out, really, all things considered, other than 
I guess having him pitch in the postseason again would have been nice. But other than that, this is uh, this is about how you would have hoped it would happen if you're not like us and and want him to pitch forever as some sort of science experiment. Yeah, it would have been nice to see him in the postseason. But on the other hand, it, it might be better that he's not because you wouldn't get to have the ceremonial goodbye if it were the postseason. Mm-hmm. You know, you couldn't you couldn't do this artificial thing that they did, which, you know, I, I think everybody sort of enjoyed. I enjoyed it. Um, the you know, mm-hmm. Jeter and Pettit going out and having them, you know, come out and mm-hmm. all that. Um, you just if it were the postseason, it would just be like the game would end and Mariano Rivera would walk off. If he, if he, if he saved the game, uh, you know, like if he saved game seven, if, mm-hmm. I don't, actually that would be, it would be really interesting to see him save game seven because everybody would be like dogpiling and, mm-hmm. and going crazy. Um, but otherwise, uh, in any other scenario, you would just, he, he would just be in the dugout. He would be losing, you know, mm-hmm. he would just walk into the clubhouse. So uh, to get the goodbye, uh, kind of. I mean, I, I imagine that if they were going to make the playoffs, they would have done the same thing mm-hmm. tonight, and then it wouldn't have been nearly as as interesting, knowing that he was going to pitch for another week or two. It's kind of weird that he's going to go going to go play the Astros now, <laughs> maybe pitch against the Astros, which will be. Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> you think he will? Uh, I bet he. I bet he does. Yeah, I probably not. I bet he's done. But he might play center. Is that I? So explain this. I just. What does that mean? He's he's always been interested in in playing center field in a uh-huh. in an actual game because he's uh-huh. he's always prided himself on his outfield abilities and shagging fly balls, which is of course how he got hurt a couple of years ago. And uh, yeah. so that it's like his baseball bucket list is he wants to play in center field and and Girardi sort of allowed that it might be a, a possibility because this last series is is completely meaningless for both teams involved. Yeah, I mean, if the Astros aren't going to take the game seriously for an entire season, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> why did the Yankees and have to? would be okay. Yeah, yeah, I I would like to see him catch. Yeah, I'd love that. Um, all right, what? So, all right, so what, that's your topic. You're done. Uh, okay, I eh, right. I guess. <laughs> My I wanted to talk about uh, Carlos Gomez, and I, I don't know, it might spill into Bud Selig's retirement, okay. or it might not. We might talk for forty seconds and then be done. Um, I don't. Generally, my feeling on unwritten rules generally is that I'm fine with baseball players having whatever uh, internal culture they want to, so long as I don't have to debate that culture. Mm-hmm. So generally, I find it to be just all perfectly whatever and stupid, and it doesn't annoy me until everybody is talking about it. Um, so unfortunately, we might talk about it, uh, but I'm not interested so much in any of what happened uh, on the field uh, last night, Wednesday night, uh, or Gomez's really role or anything in it, I'm much more interested in the suspension, which mm. to me felt uh, super weird and maybe disturbing. Mm. Um, because he didn't do anything, I guess. I mean, he did things that are um, sort of hateable, maybe. Mm-hmm. And that you could see why the Braves would be upset about it. But he did not do any of the things that players get suspended for. Mm. And it it feels strange that, uh, or it feels potentially strange that, um, that Major League Baseball is now 
really taking this sort of power to suspend players for whatever in a new direction. Um, you know, he didn't do anything violent. He didn't do anything unnatural. Nothing he did was unnatural. He watched a home run for too long, uh, but players do that. Um, and then he jogged around the bases. And while, you know, other players were yelling at him, he responded. But uh, he didn't leave the baseline. He did not make any physical uh, move toward another player. Uh, and So uh, did he... Did he initiate the yelling, or was the yelling in... Because you could hear McCann yelling yeah. at him. Um, it's, it's hard to know exactly. It seems like the consensus is that he did not. That he, uh, he, you know, he took a very, very, very slow jog out, mm -hmm. and he stared at the pitcher. Um, but it seems as though some combination of Mahalo, McCann, and, and Freeman started the talking. And then, I mean, Freeman was walking after him, yelling at him, mm -hmm. uh, which certainly seems to be more suspendable. I mean, Freeman left his position, right? Mm -hmm. What what Freeman did, um, and I'm not necessarily saying he should be suspended, but what he did was, it was an unnatural movement. That feels like suspension. Mm -hmm. What McCann did was like way beyond suspendable in, in yeah. my kind of opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, that was, the, the best case you can make is that Gomez was essentially getting suspended for fighting words, mm -hmm. which fighting words is, you know, it's non-protected speech um, and like in the real world. And so the, you know, as a sports analogy, you can sort of see why, why if you're uh, instigating, um, even if it, you know, even if it's just not de-escalating, uh, you could make the case that, that that's a suspendable or a finable offense if it sort of leads to, uh, to a riot. Um, but, if you're suspending for that, I mean, what McCann did was far, far, far more aggressive. Yeah. Um, I was surprised and, that he wasn't ejected. It, it, that seemed strange if you're going to eject Gomez. Uh, I mean, it's, it's what you're saying, but it's, I mean, he didn't get even that. He didn't get removed from even that game, let alone from a, a future game. Yeah. Um, and um, Freeman, also, I mean, he and, he and Freeman both got fined. Uh, you could make the case, sort of, if you wanted to, in a way that a fine is actually, like, maybe worse than a suspension, in a way, because you actually get paid during your suspensions. Mm -hmm. um, you don't get paid. You know, a fine is actually taking money from you. Uh, the suspension is, you know, he, he doesn't he doesn't play tomorrow, or he didn't play today, but he still got paid. The game didn't matter. Uh, you might argue that if the Brewers were in a pennant race that they wouldn't have suspended him. Um, but, you know, there's sort of an, an open acknowledgement that the game doesn't actually matter that mm -hmm. he's playing in. So, sure, why not? Whatever. It's, a, it's an easy compromise. Um, but, you know, I mean, realistically, McCann getting a $5,000 fine or whatever he got paid, uh, uh, fined, and Freeman getting a cheap fine is is nothing. It's, mm -hmm. it's completely insignificant. And, you know, like Matt Kemp went after Carlos Quentin in the player's parking lot or, or mm -hmm. something along those lines. And he got like a five thousand dollar fine, uh, not suspended. So if you're talking about aggression or fighting words as a as a suspendable offense, Gomez is not where I would certainly would not start the line. It feels very weird uh, to me. And yeah. and it all goes to I mean I basically I think that Bud Selig, um, I I don't have any gripes with the way that he's run the league for the last you know, basically for everything post-94, 
Mm-hmm. I, I don't really have any gripes. I mean, there's there's been things that have gone well and things that haven't gone well, but you know, he's, it's it's a tough job and things are going to go poorly in such a complicated industry at, at times. And basically, I think that you know the things that people gripe about are are generally fairly small things. There is this weird kind of last minute power grab that he seems to be making though with these suspensions and we saw it with the apparently arbitrariness of the um ped suspensions um where it was just like yeah Mm -hmm. instead of 50 games we'll just say 214 Mm -hmm. um and it kind of feels that way with gomez i I just i don't know that i don't know what the precedent is for gomez uh, for a, a player being suspended for doing what gomez did yeah so is it is it like baseball is is upholding unwritten rules by suspend like is it is it a is it sort of a tacit acknowledgement that Gomez is not playing the game the right way and that McCann is is the defender of tr- the unspoken old school rules, right. baseball traditions or something is that is that kind of it- the unspoken message here it could be, and if if it if that's the case, it doesn't look great that Gomez is Latin and the others are all white guys. I mean, yeah. it doesn't look great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm not saying that's a factor, but it doesn't look great mm-hmm. if that's how they're if that's kind of what the thought process is. I just wonder whether basically what it is. I wonder is like they didn't have any real resistance from Gomez. Like I said, he he still gets paid. He doesn't care if he doesn't play today. He wanted to take responsibility. I mean, he was apologizing on, you know, all over the place to try to like, kind of like look mature in the situation. Um, And so he probably was, you know, a a (laughs) non-resistant party in this. And so I just wonder, and this is maybe slightly conspiratorial, but I just wonder whether it was like, oh, well, this is an easy place to establish the precedent that we can suspend anybody for anything that might lead to fighting and it's a way of sort of taking control of um to taking a little bit more control in all the events leading up to a brawl which isn't a a, which isn't a bad um uh thing to want to do i mean it it would be great if they could get rid of brawls get rid of bean balls get rid of that whole culture of like grown men hitting each other in the face (laughs) right in front of everybody like i would love that well, um, so yeah, I mean, if you're if you're gonna take measures to to make a any situation where a player is gonna get hurt less likely, then I mean, the the much bigger risk is is pitchers throwing at people, and they haven't really doesn't seem like they've gotten any harder on on pitchers in that regard, right? I mean, we we talked about the Ryan Dempster suspension a little bit, right, and how he basically wasn't suspended because he was suspended for five games and didn't even really miss a start for that. It was just kind of a slap on the wrist for a really, really blatant attempt to, to hit a batter. Not yeah. A, and if, so sure. And if you're a batter and you take a step toward the mound, if you don't charge the mound, but you take a step toward the mound, that would be something that, you know, if, if Gomez was, was, basically cited for inciting violence, uh, then certainly taking a step toward the mound would qualify, but you never see anybody get suspended or or even really ejected for taking a single step toward the mound, right? No, I don't think so. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it hasn't been a consistent... If, if that is the, the reason that MLB 
was sort of, I don't know, establishing this president. It's not like there's a lot of signs that they've been they've, they've been working toward that. So, um, you know, it's probably not that. But I don't know. I just wonder. It's a it's a it's a very, very easy situation to set a precedent that doesn't seem to have necessarily existed before. Well, I hope that if this is some sort of power grab or even if it just just smacks of that, I I just hope that it doesn't uh, jeopardize relations between the union and the league at all because it's it's been pretty nice for the last decade, over a decade, to have complete labor peace and no threat of work stoppages and no no angry words between them for the most part. Um, so it would be a it would be a shame to to see that eroded at all, um, mm-hmm. because you're right. I mean, that's the I guess that's the number one thing that that people hold against Selig is is the strike. And I guess if you want to defend him, you can say that since the strike, it's been pretty much smooth sailing, except for the almost strike in 2002. Uh, which was then averted. So, yeah, I always wonder about that. I mean, how many years of uh, how many years of like if if Selig argued that the strike is what enabled the next twenty years of of peace, yeah. then how many how many years of peace does he have to bank before it cancels out the strike? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I, he's I don't know. He's so. I was thinking before we started recording about why it is that he seems to provoke such strong reactions and such strong opinions and people saying that he's the worst and people saying that he's the best. And I don't know whether that's specific to him at all, whether people thought the same thing about previous commissioners, whether it's just a product of the fact that he's been around so long and he's made so many decisions that have changed the game that you can always find something to hate, I guess, if you're if you're kind of a traditionalist and you, you know, you don't like interleague play or you don't like instant replay or you don't like the All Star game counting or whatever it is, you know, the wild card, all the expanded postseason. I mean, all of the things that he's done, he's made many many decisions. So it's it's easy to find something you don't like in there, I guess. I mean, it, it's it would be tough to please everyone while making that many changes to the game over a two decade period. Um, so I don't know whether it's just that he's, he's annoyed someone at some point over his long tenure. Uh, and that that's why so many people hold that against him. And I guess the, the biggest defense of him probably is, is the profitability of the game. It seems like, or that's kind of the defense that people offer in response to the other things, as I say, well, baseball is healthier than it's ever been, and it's making more money than it's ever been, and it's, you know, a $8 billion industry instead of a $1 billion industry when he took over, or whatever the figures are, um, which is which is a, a legitimate defense, I guess, although I, I kind of wonder how much of that is Selig and how much of that is just external factors. That, yeah, probably most is not him, but most 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 things aren't him. I mean, yeah. probably a lot of the bad things that he gets blamed for aren't really him either. Probably. I mean, yeah, like like the TV money is not Bud Selig, really. I mean, 
I'm sure he's played a part in the fact that that TV contracts are are high and there's a lot of broadcast revenue and all that. But it, in part, it's just a product of the fact that that sports programming is is much more valuable now um, because it's the one thing that that a lot of people will watch and not not time shift. So uh, it seems like whoever would have been around during this period kind of would have reaped the the benefits of that and. And people give him a lot of credit for like MLB Advanced Media and MLB.com and how, you know, baseball has been ahead of the game technology wise. I have a hard time believing that he was the driving force behind that. Um, I I mean, maybe he, you know, put the people in place who were the driving forces behind that and and was open to it. And I guess that's all you can really, really ask about that, ask about that. But, you know, he's a... He doesn't use email, so it's kind of hard to believe that he's like pushing baseball to the the cutting edge technologically. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Very very divisive. Um, and I guess I'm I'm kind of wishy washy on him. I like a lot of the things that he's done, and there are a few things that I I don't like. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't have a great ruling on him. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not like super sad to see him go, but I don't generally have bad words for him. Nope. All right. Is that, that's the week? That's the week. Okay. Um, send us emails for next week at podcast at baseballprospectus.com. Uh, rate and review us on iTunes and subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, so that other people can come across the podcast and join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash effectively wild, which has been very busy and growing lately. Uh, and I've enjoyed the discussions over there as I know you have Sam. Yes. And, uh, right. And we may or may not have a Monday show. Ben and I are still (laughs) debating this. So if, if it's not there, it's not supposed to be there. If it is there, Well, Ben won. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, so we'll be back at some point next week. Um, Have a wonderful weekend.